Hey, how you doing? Hey, <laughs> um, I am doing fine. I am um, very conscious that this is going to be a weird episode because this is the worst book in the world. And welcome to Drock episode 18. I, my name is Graham McMillan. I am recording with my generous and handsome and always very there for me co-host. Hi everybody, it's Jeff Lester and we are coming to you live from Rick Rosenthal City Block to talk about Judge Dredd the Complete Case Files Volume 16. In covers, 2080 Prog 736 through 775 and magazines issues 11 through 20, which is a chunk of comics. Published between 1991 and 1992. I mean, it's like 340 odd pages of comics. Uh, they're all terrible. Yeah. <laughs> is that fair to say? yeah. They're not all terrible, but if there's 340 pages... I'm willing to say that at least 300 of them are terrible. Yeah, absolutely. And you might actually, once again, be incredibly generous. But yeah, no, the the amount that is uh, good in here, to me, is very, very small. I think uh, j I just want to start out and say that uh, for me, my, my personal feeling is when you look at a Judge Dredd, a complete case files cover and you realize that the illustration of dread from it is from the very first story you realize that everyone is given up you know what i mean like that it to me like, this is so, so this is such a weird book right mm -hmm. the book opens with the book is for the majority of garth ennis's work of yes the i mean that's 40 progs of 2008 of the 40 2008 stories all but five of them are written by garth ennis right no that's not true uh, all the, five of them are written by Wagner. There's a four-part Alan Grant, and the rest is Ennis. Oh, so I thought that four-part Grant, that's not magazine? I would have figured that no, was no, magazine. Because no. the, oh. the, the, the magazine stories are all Grant at the end. Right, right, right. right. Uh, but no, the four-part uh, four Stan Lee's yeah, the, yes, is, is from 2080. Oh, is it? Oh, it makes sense because uh, there was a credit box, so that's yeah, how I know. Yeah. Um, you know, Wagner's work significantly outshines everything else. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, embarrassingly so. Yeah. But that also sort of undersells how underwhelming Ennis and Grant are here. But also, this is really the volume where there are some questionable art choices, especially in the magazine stories. Oh, God, yeah. The magazine stories are at times just shockingly poorly illustrated by people who, I should say, have gone on to do great work. Hmm. Dean Ormston draws the Raptor story, which is Ooh. almost nonsensical to look at. Yeah. Like, I would say I'd triumph of style over substance if it wasn't for the fact that it's not really that stylish either. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really, it's very much surface. Like, it's, yeah. you know, I've worked out these painting techniques. Yeah. It's a shame that I can't actually do sequential panels at all, or for that matter, understand proportion perspective isn't it interesting how much i feel like that's kind of 
of the times. Like, I yeah, feel like there yeah. was that whole like, era post Sinkevich where everyone was like, oh, holy shit, we need well, painted artists. And yeah, in 2000 AD, it's, it's uh, Simon Bisley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Simon Bisley's uh, Schlander, the Horn God, like was massive, was, right. was exceptionally big, uh, both with fans and also in terms of publishing. Yeah. Like, Fleetway repackaged it immediately as a graphic novel and it sold really fucking well. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, oh, everything should be painted. Yeah. And as a result, you get some just, I mean, shockingly bad artwork in this mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Like, really appallingly bad. I'm talking about Ormson in the, the magazine things. However, Sam Keith's uh, story in the magazine yeah. is, is amazing. And when I say amazing, I don't mean good. No. No, no, it's so terrible that I had various moments of like, like, because at one point they dropped Kevin Eastman's name in it. And I was like, wait, is this Kevin Eastman's horrible work? Because he's normally not good. But well, don't drop Kevin in it because it's a, it's a, it seems to me, just turtles riff. Right, right. So I was like, it would, it seemed like a little too on the nosy, so to speak, to, but I mean, Graham, I am sorry. I, if you ask me, I think that, uh, you know, people who, who want some horrible traditionally representational style superhero hijinks can also look to Simon Colby to deliver. Yes. Cause Simon Colby, who, uh, I was going to say to his credit, to his credit, 30 years later is much better. <laughs> I would hope um, so. Yeah, he, he's, still doing stuff for 2018 now mm-hmm. and he had a sort of sort of trevor hair sign makeover at some mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. and you know realize things like again proportion yeah having more than one face for a character yeah not doing everything in profile wherever possible yeah like you know he he realized you know i can do other things and and all for the better because simon colby does a lot of the 2018 strips and it to call it weak is being polite oh, you know yeah. there's some just shockingly, shockingly terrible pages from Colby. There's some shockingly terrible pages in general. And yet at the same time, this is the book that like John Burns comes in as an artist. And John Burns' work in these thing in these stories is far better than the writing deserves. Mm, mm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, John Burns' artwork is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. I should say, when I'm saying Burns, I'm not saying John Burns, the American comic artist. Yes. I'm John Burns, B-U-R-N-S. That's right. Uh, I'll definitely put stuff of his in the show notes. His work here is just fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Like, really amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, Colin McNeil, like I said, does the first story. Colin McNeil's stuff is... Like, he comes straight off of America and, and, and does another beautifully mm-hmm. painted piece. Mm-hmm. There's a Glenn Fabry story in here where Glenn Fabry's doing great work. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, this is an ugly, ugly collection. Well, see, that's it. I mean, if you're lucky here more more often than not you get a a a very unhappy um synergy between lousy stories and poor art every once in a while if you are lucky you will have a lousy story with some good art and then so very incredibly briefly you'll have you know essentially the devil you know and But even the devil, you know, I think the art is really weak there. It's so you, you not don't, great. You, get, it's... you don't get good writing, good art in the book at all at any point. Mm. You get good writing and okay art. Mm-hmm. And that's the best you get. But for the most part, I mean, I, I can't. I thought the devil you know isn't 
terrible. I mean, I don't know you if it necessarily art, holds up. Yeah, art wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, compared to again, Fabry, compared with McNeil, compared to to Burns, like it's not great. It's such a shame that the Devil You Know is is part one of essentially a, a two part story. Right. Wagner does The Devil You Know. Ennis does Twilight's Last Gleaming. Right. And Ennis gets John Burns. Right. For, I mean, a story that I I hate. Like mm-hmm. I, I try a story that I fucking despise mm-hmm. but the art's beautiful and wagner gets jeff anderson whose stuff is serviceable <laughs> yeah i think we're on oh, we're, we're just on opposite sides of the coin here because i on the one hand i think i don't i i think anderson's work is okay i think that burns's work looks lovely but there's to me there was like room for improvement you know what i mean so yeah, I, okay i'll like i'll give you that i'm also like you're fucking wrong right but yeah, sure. Yeah. But I mean, like, we can both agree that there's some gorgeous Chris Weston work on an absolutely terrible Garth Ennis story in here, for example. But Jeff, all of the Garth Ennis stories here are terrible. Yeah. It's just the different flavors are terrible. I, last time uh, when we, we were doing the Ennis things, I was kind of like, was I too mean about Ennis? Mm-hmm. Like, was, was I was I just looking back and, and, and being far too unkind? And the answer is no. There, there's stuff in here that is, I mean, there's a lot of dread fan fiction. Twilight's Last Gleaming is is horrific dread fan fiction. Firepower, the first story, is dread fan. Fiction. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, exactly. But there's, you know, there's some like shockingly broad comedy. Mm-hmm. There's some like weird ass quasi incel shit. There's, you know, there, there's. The th- thought I kept having reading through this, reading through this, reading through this, is it very much reads like a comic that a twenty-year-old would write. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. I, I'm not meaning to be unkind because because Ennis was twenty when he's writing right. these stories. He's no, twenty, exactly. twenty-one. Yeah. And in but fact, what what I, uh, sorry, what I think is interesting is is that you sort of hit him pretty hard for the fanfic that he had the previous volume. And to me, I feel like those were the ideas that he sort of had the most time to think through. Like (laughs) I felt like most of those stories were actually this. Yeah. This is where the flop sweat really starts to hit of like, Oh shit, I've got to do this many stories. And there's, there's stuff where, I mean, there's just stuff that there's the stuff that doesn't land. There's the stuff that just seems totally wrong. Like I'm very much looking forward to talking about twin blocks with you, which just seems oh, interesting. really weird. Well, I just mean in the sense of like, wow, what the hell were they? You know, you just didn't. See, twin twin blocks almost feels like one of the more understandable stories oh, here. Yeah, you can totally understand it. Absolutely. No, I mean, but by, by, by which I mean, like you can see where they were coming from. Of course. But but like you know, if you're talking about tonally off, like again, Twilight's Last Gleaming, I cannot cannot get away from just how how wrong it feels, um, and how almost like like spitting in the face of Wagner appeals. But even the first story in this book, even Firepower, kind of shows to me why Ennis really isn't a good fit for Dread. Okay, because this is, and I think this is the crux of what we have to talk about is. Why? And I've got, I, I of course have my theories, um, but yes, absolutely. It's not, it's not just the dread fanficness 
which is part of it. Part of it is, I mean, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put forward my thesis first and then we can argue about it and hopefully being us come up with some sort of examples in, yeah, the, in the last six know. minutes we'll of the episode. Like a synthesis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you will. Um, honestly, to me, the thesis is, is that, um, is that Ennis loves dread, but he doesn't like people. And one of the things <laughs> that I think, and, and that is, a, I think you're wrong. Interestingly enough, you do or don't don't. Yeah. And so I think that that is actually one of the things that's a huge problem here is Wagner. Wagner actually really does like people. I think that's why part of the, the, when you start separating, separating out Wagner from Grant, which gets sort of easier to do with each one of these volumes, you can see how Wagner and Grant had, there's a Venn diagram at which they overlap. And, and a lot of that is sort of the puckishness, the, the kind of um, uh, an appreciation for formal concision. But one of the things that I think it, it is a real splitting point is Grant will tell stories about quote unquote people or from other points of view from dread, but he essentially doesn't really care much about those people. He's just for himself well aware that dread is not always a strong enough hook to hang his story on. Wagner, I feel sort of has the same, but also genuinely has an interest in it in 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 people in stories about other people some of those stories are just pulp b riffs in a way from the earlier volumes but they are but there's at least a kind of and and i think honestly that's part of what ends up making wagner really interesting is when the point at which he starts becoming invested in say chopper or some of the other supporting characters to the point where he's like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to sacrifice them for the purposes of even a compelling story. Like this is going to leave me somewhere or some, someplace else to go. The thing that is an enormous weakness in all of the Ennis stories here is so many of them, I could see how he is working from the Wagner Grant template, but because he doesn't care about other people, he makes no, I, I think a perfect example of this is uh, in this volume is Justice One, which is probably the closest oh. to being an Ennis story where I'm like, oh, Maybe this could be like, you know, like I'm kind of like, oh, I know what this should be. This what this should have been. And the weird part is, strangely, it probably should have been longer and could have been a little more freewheeling to go places. But part or, of the or it should have been much shorter. Well, right. But the length at which at, at which it is part of why it feels like such a waste is it's essentially a locked room mystery you know, it's it's practically an episode of Columbo set in space with with dread as Columbo trying to figure out who the killers are. I guess Columbo's not a good comparison because technically we're not supposed to know who the killers are. Although the story only becomes interesting until part two or three, 
at which point we learn who they are and then they're they're sort of what should be a cat and mouse between them and dread ends up being more of a slug and snail uh, you know uh, what i mean yeah like, I, you're I, you're still being too kind to murder one well uh, to, to, to just, just this one, one. but which the, is like it's a it's a murder mystery until it's not because right. the artist gives away who it is even though there's like there's no suggestion that that was intentional right and then you know it's not even that there's a cat and mouse because he captures the three people he knows it is but then they're fucking attacked by pirates and they find out who the murderer is in part three of a seven part story yeah no 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 i i well but see like this is no that uh, part's bad and there's no there's literally no emotional investment in yeah the, in well, any of the other characters which Wagner and Grant yeah. absolutely 100% would have, even in a completely Wait, you even look, You even look back at the Judge Child, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have emotional connection, yes. albeit, like, you know, comedically. Right. As soon as the Justice One crew is introduced, like, there's the moustache joke. Yes. There's, you know, there, there's, there is, a, like, a, an emotional interplay that there is not right. in, in the Justice Ones are here. But also, you're right, that there's not in any of Ennis' stories here. No. One of the problems with, like, I I repeated no I made for myself in this, about this book, is the judges are stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, judges are not just one note. Like, they're one note, but they're also completely non-existent. Mm. Right? You get to the, the cool Johnny Cool story. Right. right. Like, Talkback, it's called. And the judges are being judges right up until the end we're like hey he's so annoying that even the judge is like grud i hope he rots in hell right it's a punchline but it's a punchline that just doesn't ring true mm-hmm. to any between judge dread mm-hmm. or or justice one which expects us to believe that judges will kill other judges to hide the fact that they're planning on running away together I, right they have, to like... run, they have to run away together on that mission there's no way they can do it another time right they can't postpone it but there's no there's no like, idea there's, why what yeah, exactly. yeah. there's right. no urgency there's like, no sense of character yeah because of the plot demands it. right right no i'm not all through this book yeah like the dread and also for that matter dread doesn't really have an interior life which on the one hand it's fine because it's dread mm-hmm. but on the other hand wagner has been developing one the character who has the most of an interior life in this is the fucking muzak killer who is <laughs> yeah right like to say troublesome it's oh, yeah. polite. Yeah. Like, I, when I said that this is the work of a 20-year-old, no story in this book emphasizes that more than Muzak Killer, which is 20-year-old Garth Ennis feeling very self-conscious about his music tastes and thinking that he gets real music, man, while other people are listening to Kyla Minogue. You know what I and think... And he picks that into, like, a six-part story or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking insane. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually thought Muzak Killer, while also terrible, struck me as, um, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it struck me as Ennis trying to absolutely court his audience that he, with sympathies that he does not feel. Now, this is a, this is based on you know me who knows that garth ennis will go on over the course of 20 or 30 years to not you know to use a pogues reference or lyric 
whenever possible. Like oh, literally, no, whenever this is, possible. This is one hundred percent. Like and it's and it's going. I I love REM. I love the Smiths. Yes. The, yeah. And like I had that moment of like, yeah. does he? Did he? Or did he just like? No. It kind of. No, he, this, no, I, I you think so? Huh? I, yeah. I think he is addressing the reader. Like the end of that story yeah. is Dredd basically saying, "You can sell anyone anything." Yeah, and I think that's Dredd, like addressing the story. That's Ennis addressing the reader through Dredd. Right. right. But I think that that Marty Zapok mm-hmm. is much closer to who Ennis was at that moment, mm. and yeesh. like yeah. it's a, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible story. And honestly, reading the monologue of that character mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. i'm like it's a fucking incel yeah oh absolutely. like this this mm-hmm. is an incel shooter's mm-hmm. story mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. i think the human race has taken a wrong turn i scan my history vids seems to me everything was great up until about 21st century then along came the throwaway culture throwaway food throw uh, mu- books music thought we stopped thinking you see one day we just threw it away and someone started doing it for us started feeding us non-stop garbage to keep us docile it worked except with me jesus christ yeah no on the one hand part of me is like but you know i no, no like but, uh, I, I get what you're saying uh, but then, but like but then you get to it cuts to the stock ache and a waterman character the hit brothers mm-hmm. and they're all wearing t-shirts with their names and hits and all their names start with s so all of them are literally s dot h-i-t you know yeah. no no like, no Fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I literally, it's like everyone who dies is a stock ache and a waterman musical person in the real world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they're all analogies for Jason Donovan, Kylie Minogue, mm-hmm. like th- those people. Right. And it's just, it's horrible. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I think that it's but hilarious. He, but he's the that... who has an interior life in this book. Oh, agreed. Yeah, no, no, no. And that's mm-hmm. a problem. Yeah. Well, uh, yes, a huge problem. A huge, I mean, it's, but yeah, I think to me, uh, a bigger example to return to it is, is like, look at the absolutely interminable uh, Cool Brothers, Stan and Ollie, who are, who are a bunch of tough killer types. And that story goes on forever. And what I think is interesting <laughs> is, again, there is no point um, at which there's anything like en- Ennis has all of the Wagner Grant ticks there, but there's no there's no sort of even a half attempt at like, let's be honest, Wagner and Grant often the character, the interior life of the characters, the supporting characters was cribbed from whatever late night movie they were riffing off of. But at least that was kind of something. And there is, there's so nothing here. Like there's the end where they're like, you know, it's like, Oh, we're outlaws, but you know, it's like, we're going down and like for the good times. And they like give themselves a high five or whatever. I'm like, this is, like this is vacuous this is so empty of everything what i find really fascinating about it too is for someone who again ended up reading a lot of ennis i feel that he is a dude that goes on 
to find characters that are interesting to him or that he knows should be interesting to him that aren't just the the dread bully figure but here anyway for whatever reason there is just there is there literally is nothing but but dread here and dread himself like you said has kind of been hollowed out with a spoon like he is it's, it's performative it, you yeah. know and also so it starts in firepower starts in the yes. very first story in this there is not only is dread hollowed out with a spoon as you call it, as you put it but it falls into an action movie formula mm-hmm. where dread will end the story and have like a david caruso like punchline mm-hmm. to wrap things up mm-hmm. and it's again flattens dread mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know like to see him right i mean firepower is again beautifully illustrated and then horrible mm-hmm. but like he takes care of them through the rampaging mutants by in the end like running his bike through the chest of one of them right and one of the judges says you didn't even need backup dreads there's nothing left for us to do and he goes sure there is you can make a start in the paperwork mm-hmm or later on, there's the anti Carocho parody, and and they're, yes, they're garbage the disposal, he, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, the bad guys in the same line as business of ours, garbage disposal, mm-hmm. and it's just fucking horrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and I, 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 dread comes across because of these punchlines as heartless in a way that he never did with Wagner. Mm, well, but, never with Wagner, maybe. Oh, I, I, I would say, I would argue that even before. Like the the uh, letter to Judge Dredd's Dead Man Necropolis arc, even before that, you would never have a story where five thousand people are going to commit suicide, and Dredd does not give a shit. Yes, no, I absolutely like agree. That story yeah. is shocking to me. Yeah, yeah, that they're just okay with five thousand people committing suicide. Mm-hmm. They're like, what can be done? Eh. Right. Get, like, we're just going to be a lot of again. It's going to be a lot of paperwork at the end is callous in a way that Dredd has never been before. Well, you, I remember you quite I, specifically. Hold on. I, I like Dredd blows up East Meg 1, but still. Well, and you pointed out that there were, that there were points, at least before Oz, because I remember you quite specifically talking about how Dredd, like, has a punchline that is, as he put it, it's like, it's, he can't, you know, you're like, it's Dread being petty. Can't resist the chance to kind of stick the knife in, you know? Yeah, but that's not the same as this. Because, like, who is he sticking the knife into well, No, here? no, 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 no. I, I guess what I'm saying is, is to me, uh, that's, like, that's one of the crucial differences is there were punchlines at the, like, you know, closing wrap-up type level, you know, a Dread making a making just a goofy joke, making just a bad pun, making just a thing. What helped was, A, that was not the ending of every story, and B, I think it was easy enough to kind of, like you said, there there would be times where the psychology of the character was different. The thing that, and, and I think, again, wanting to be as generous as I can to Ennis, and I don't really... I don't know why, because I had to read these stories, so I don't <laughs> want to yeah, be generous. Like Ennis, right? What's that? Well, you like Ennis, I, and so 
I, I can see wanting to be like I want to be generous. For example, to shit, what's it called? Inferno, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a Morrison written dread story coming up that is by any stretch of the imagination as bad as these stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I still every time I read it, I'm like, well, it's got something going for it, I guess. And it it doesn't, Jeff. It really doesn't. Okay. So I get the idea. I get the idea of being like, you know, no, I, you know. Blessum he's trying. Well, so so the uh, what I what I would say yes, the Blessum he's trying is close. I I have liked Ennis uh, in the past. It will not keep me from crit- critiquing his crap. Don't get me wrong, but I would have to say that there part of the reason why I made it a point to announce that we were coming from Rick Rosenthal block. Rick Rosenthal directed Halloween two. You know, and he was handpicked by John Carpenter to direct the sequel. And essentially what ended up happening was Carpenter saw a cut of the movie and more or less deemed it so boring and dull that he had to go back in and direct sequences into it. So Rosenthal was handpicked to make this film was so like in awe of the first Halloween, you know, and more or less just the incredible flop sweat because he was a relatively inexperienced director and he ended up making something where the other person was like, yeah, this is kind of crap. You know, they went on, but of course he went on to have a career of sorts and did a lot of other mediocre stuff. Um, I just feel that maybe at least for American comics where you get something like, 20 year old Jerry fucking Conway following goddamn Stan Lee on amazing mm-hmm. Spider-Man. I take it back. Cause there's even Roy Thomas as a buffer. There's not. Ennis is 20 years old. He has, you know, he broke in, uh, trying to, you know, uh, sold stuff through crisis about Ireland in a very earnest way that people have pointed out very sort of unlike him. And I think mm-hmm. here he is stepping into what would have been his dream job. And I just think that there are there's tremendous amounts of pressure at that particular point. Oh, and, yes. Yeah. There, cannot, there can't not be. Exactly. Like Dredd, Dredd is like one of the major British comic characters. Right. It's the lead strip in 2080. Yeah. Like the idea that anyone taking over Dredd would not feel an exceptional amount of pressure exactly. is ridiculous. Yeah. Like doing it when you're 20 is insane. Right. And doing it when you're 20 and you clearly worship the work that's come before you. Right. Like just adds the pressure. Yeah. Now on top of that, I think that because of the, you're relatively new, like it would be one thing, like, let's just say that instead they gave dread to like Pat fucking Mills. Right. At, you know, Mills at that point had enough experience that he's like, I'm going to like whatever his different flop sweats would be. Um, they would not be literally kind of the, there's parts in this volume where I can't tell if Ennis is trying incredibly hard to to mimic the dread stuff that he loves, that he's, you know, suffering from the anxiety of influence at, at an overwhelming level. But I also think that there's points where I just feel like he's trying to show that he can, quote unquote, tell a good story, that he can, you know, wrap it up with a bow. And and I think maybe that's part of why he tries to go like 
Like the joke landing is just about the only landing that he can go, except for Twilight's Last Gleaming, you know, which again is, you know, a completely different set of awful, but not not quite it's, the same problem, you know. I I see what you're saying and agree about the circumstances, if not the conclusion. Yeah. Okay. For want of a better way of putting it. Because I think that one of the things this book demonstrates very clearly is that Ennis desperately needed someone to edit him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because Ennis, it keeps making really bad mistakes in terms of, not even mistakes, but his pacing is fucked. It's really he, bad. He yeah. He can't introduce other characters. Every other character is a cardboard character. Mm-hmm. He, and honestly, I don't think he does land the jokes even. No, no. And most I, of the I time he that, does not. I think yeah. that a lot of it is like he is completely dwarfed by the weight of what's come before him. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's crushed by it. Mm-hmm. One, for all of my concern and, and upset about like Dread is not this cruel. Mm-hmm. And also Dread doesn't do this this superhero punchline. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about the fact that, you know, Ennis loves the Apocalypse War. And like the episode after the Apocalypse War has Dread making a joke about the fact that he's just annihilated a city. Mm-hmm. What I've learned is get your retaliation in first. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. There's the crash joke right there. Mm-hmm. It lands differently in, in that thing because it's literally in like page two or three of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not the button of the story. Right. 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 But it is the button to the action for want of a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. And so Ennis is trying to compress all of that into these stories. But he's just he leans on that too hard. Mm-hmm. He leans on he you can tell he has the idea of a platonic ideal of a dread story. Yeah. You know, this is what a dread story should do. Mm-hmm. You have six pages, although some of them are like seven or eight in this yeah, story. In this that's right. Book, which is kind of, it's funny, reading through it, I was like, why do all these stories feel long? Mm-hmm. And I, I counted the page in so many of them because I was like, this feels like it's been going on for like 10 pages and it's six. But yeah. and again, that's just because the pacing is terrible. Mm-hmm. But there are others that are longer. There are others that are seven. There's, you know. Yeah. Um, but he's he's like, okay, you've got to set this up. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. And you see him return to things that have quote-unquote worked before the mm-hmm. first two stories in this volume are a mutant comes in and causes chaos mm-hmm. and dread has to stop them mm-hmm. it's the same formula it's the same plot yeah yeah but like the the joke is like what's different about the mutants in the first one they're so violent that dread has to like just be an all-action hero and run his bike through them second one it's a fucking teddy bear which is by the way slight digression fucking insane insane it's insane to me it, that the, the, the mutant in the second story is a literal teddy bear to the point where he is filled with stuffing. Yes. Although it, it didn't have a credit, so I assumed that was a Grant story. No, it's an Anna story. It's It doesn't have a credit. Are you sure? Yeah. No, but I looked up in Barney. It's an Anna story. Oh, is it? Oh, it is. And it is terrible. Yeah, that yeah. was really horrible. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But again... Like they're they're both like you know it's the mutants and yeah. try to stop them and then later on you get like the fatties story mm-hmm. you get the you know you just keep getting variations on things that have worked before. Sure, Wagner and Grant did that though as well. Don't get me wrong; I'm not letting them off the hook. I'm just saying, like, out of all the various mistakes and sins that you can perform in in Judge Dredd, like the certainly it's a venal sin 
to no no but, but, but i guess what i'm brain. saying is like I'm, I'm not even saying that like it's a sin as much as this is what he's doing he's trying to recreate what he knows mm-hmm. right right and he's trying to recreate what worked mm-hmm. so you get that you get the parodies of pop culture you get the twin peaks episode you get the the edward scissorhands episodes right you know you get all these things that have worked are for a certain generation of dread readers in the dna of dread mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right but in every single instance in every single one in this book Mm -hmm. a it's not done with the skill that wagner and grant have done it and again Mm -hmm. there's no problem with that ennis is 20 years old wagner had probably been working for 20 years by the time he wrote them right but also i can't help but feel like editors should have been more present Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. all of this shit all of it Feels like an editor could have helped out, even if it was just resequencing stories, so you don't have the two mutant stories next to each other. Sure, you know, like there's ways of doing this stuff. There's ways of an editor being like, okay, but in School Bully, you actually don't have an ending to the story, or in A Clockwork Pineapple, your pacing is so off that right. you think you have a B plot, but you don't have a B plot. Right. You just keep making like weird fucking sexist jokes right. about how the the Russian judges who are called things like Tractor Factory, which again is in keeping with Dread's humor, but yes. done with with enough less skill yeah. to feel crass in a way that it didn't before, you know? Right. Again, they're all in every single aspect you know exactly what Ennis is trying to do. Mm-hmm. It's just that he doesn't do it well enough. No, agreed. Agreed. Every single thing. And so this book, or Ennis's stories at least, are so disappointing, in part because in every single case, you know exactly what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And again, what is amazing... And that's why I think is really interesting is it's uh, is you know what he's trying to do and you're like why didn't that land and like I said my theory is Ennis has no appreciation for uh, other people's interior life so there's really that slows down the the whole quote unquote B story aspect of it and yes. for that matter having a B story just if nothing else means that you have to have a certain amount of concision in what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I, I think another thing that's a huge problem, and this and this is rough because I don't know how much control these guys, the writers actually have in when they write their scripts, but I am struck by how often Ennis's stuff sticks to five or six panels per page, unless he gets like someone who is relatively experienced, who then will do a lot to, to chop up the, the, the frenzy, I suppose. And both Wagner and Grant by comparison will, uh, I think, run seven panels per page or more, more frequently, which means that you just have to get, you just get a little bit more story in there. You know, I, I really do think that, I I mean, one of the things that I think is, is even more merciless is, as you point out, these books need 
an editor, but I mean, 2000 AD is a weekly. They've moved into doing the magazine. So I'm <laughs> like, the, just, and looking at the quality of the art, I'm like, just get, excuse me, just getting this out feels like the editor's like, that's yeah. all I could do. Like yes, everyone yes. seems uh, it, to be it, running on the treadmill. And so it's a, it's a problem because, yeah. you know, when we were complaining about the art earlier on, mm -hmm. one of the problems with the art, you know, whether it's Colby, whether it's Armson, and one of the problems with Ennis are the same thing, mm -hmm. which is they haven't got the basics down yet. Right. And in each case, I think arguably they do later in their careers. Mm -hmm. But one of the reasons why I'm like, you know, they need an editor so much is there are basic things that someone should have stepped in and been like, okay, but mm -hmm. have you thought about doing this instead? Mm -hmm. No, like I can't get over the Dean Armstrong art and Raptor and the fact that it just does not work from a sequential standpoint mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. Repeatedly. There are parts where you literally can't tell what's happening in the story. Yeah. Because like it's, it's illegible. Mm -hmm. And for that matter, um, Peter Doherty in, in Justice One. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. His inability to do anything other than muddy watercolors mm -hmm. really fucks with a lot of that story. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Colby's in seemingly inability to draw anyone either uh, if they're not in profile or straight on mm -hmm. is a real problem as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? All of this stuff is the basics. It really is like, you know, you have to have your shit, like, under control. Yeah. And the new creators coming up don't, but you can't, I mean, you can fault them for it, but you also can't fault them for it. Because everyone's not ready for prime time at some point. Sure. Absolutely. And so it does the fault then lie with the editors who are like, you know what? You're definitely ready to take on the most popular character in the most popular comic in Britain right now. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and not be sitting over the shoulder at any given opportunity and being like, ah, no, you don't know. You want to try another pass at that. Right. Well, and who knows, yeah. maybe that is a thing that they could have done before launching the magazine, but it's, it's clear that the, all of this is, I mean, again, I, I don't know, but I'm assuming, for example, One Better is a Grant story. It's uncredited. I wouldn't be surprised if it's an Ennis story because, again, it's terrible. I think that's Ennis as well. Is it really? Okay. Yeah, it is. It's Oh, yeah, it's the one that comes after um, Twilight's Last Gleaming, right? Uh, yeah, it's Ennis. It's, yep, it's Ennis. Yeah. Oh, really? Shit. It yeah. is also horrible. Well, I got to say, like, everything that was bad here, I'm like... And his Raptor is Grant? Everything from the magazine is Grant. So that's Raptor. It's the one shot with the kid who imagines everything. Right. And it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles story. Okay. And there's another one in there. Yeah. There's the, oh yeah, the Adam Eternal story as well. They're all Grant. Right. Right. Uh, okay. And actually, actually, you know, I've been ragging on Ennis a lot. I've been ragging on all the newcomers a lot. Grant stuff is also shit. Yes. And Grant has a lot of experience. And Grant is also making... Real problems with pacing. Mm -hmm. Like, why is Raptor seven chapters long? Right. Yeah. It feels insanely drawn out. And yeah. also, a part of this is like, sure, Ormson is fucking the story left, right, and center. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't tell what's happening on the page. 
but Raptors, like the through line of Raptor in terms of plot, mm-hmm. it's nuts. And Jeff, I've read Raptor three times in the last week. Mm-hmm. I have to ask you a question. <laughs> okay. Where does Raptor come from? Right. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. It's never explained, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. The monster that's in a seven-part story, his origins are never explained. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like an alien, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. He right. looks like alien, like mm-hmm. the, the Geiger alien, mm-hmm. who has like some superpowers. Mm-hmm. He's He's like alien meets Venom. He looks like he looks like Venom. There is a strong element, yeah. As well, yes, that's true. Um, when maybe that maybe that is what they were going for. They probably were, of course. But it it there's there's a but like there's no explanation. It's a seven part story. Yeah, it involves like the monster kind of being caught, kind of not being caught, kind of being caught, not being caught. Like Dread almost dies and then doesn't die, right. and then like he beats the he beats the monster in the end. Basically, because it's the end of the story. Yeah, it's a shockingly poor piece of writing. It's mm-hmm. shockingly poor. And while we're talking about things that don't make sense, and I'm asking you questions, in the Sam Keithron story, right? Why did the mother make up the lie about the priest? Mm-hmm. Like that's really the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Someone says, "Why did she let him loose kill priest Judge Dredd? And Dredd goes, "Beats me." And that, like, that's the end of the story. And it made me go, "But why did she?" Right. Exactly. You literally just lampshaded the fact that the story has no inciting motive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's weird that Grant is, I mean, shockingly sloppy mm-hmm. in these stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and again, as with last time, Grant struggles like a motherfucker with the longer stories. Mm-hmm. Like these stories are like like eight to ten pages long. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to like pages for, for 2008 and he fucking struggles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. every single episode feels like it is oddly paced and has at least one bit of filler mm-hmm. i guess yes. i help by just being like illegible at points mm-hmm. like why are so many like full page shots of an alien saying nothing yes um, but every one of grant's stories feels like the pacing's off absolutely like every one of grant's stories has completely confusing if not a not present motivation mm-hmm. like there's no motivation for characters mm-hmm. grant's work here is is shockingly poor mm-hmm. like dramatically so mm-hmm. which leads me to jeff how did you feel about the return to the stan lee storyline that i honestly have forgotten existed Ooh. um but- actually called i'm trying to find oh it's it's the art of geomancy i believe yes right Uh, and it is it's a very long story yeah it is it's four four parts long it feels like eight i was gonna say was it four i thought it was like five you're right it is only four four yes Mm -hmm. um and it features the uh i believe seemingly unnamed yeah, as uh, sort of Stanley mm-hmm. uh, coming to Mega City One to seek revenge on Dread, 
Jeff, why don't you talk about it? You loved the Stanley story so much the first time around, and I'm just going to be mean about it. So why don't you say something that isn't me being mean about it? Wait, whoa, wait, what? Wait, okay, first off, Graham, I didn't like the Stanley stories. I, I was being sarcastic. Okay, because I'm like, <laughs> I thought you were, and then you're suddenly like, but I'm just going to be mean, so you say something about them. I'm like, I, I, what? I just feel like I've been incredibly negative about everything. Jeff, you deserve a chance to be negative. Oh, thank you, Graham. I, I do appreciate that. So yeah, the art of geomancy does feel uh, seven pages long, and I feel that um, Grant uh, seemed um, aware that at one point these uh, all these dread stories would be collected in one volume, and somebody would be like, "Hey, these aren't really as racist as some of the earlier volumes of Judge Dread." And Grant was <laughs> like, like "Ooh." Yeah. Got that. Okay, I'm going to cover that. Don't worry. I've got I've got you handled. In... I, I I gasped when when yeah. one of the characters uh called Stanley slant. Yeah, yeah. It was just I, I, I was like, I can't believe that's off print. Yeah, that there's that. There's actually in in part there, there's multiple like these Chinese all these Chinese look alike and shit like the, that. There's literally calling another character Charlie Chan. Like it's just incredible incredibly gross uh the arts by john burns which looks uh very nice um i do get the sense that they're because um the unnamed woman looks pretty electra e that there was a she little really does she? yeah that the, there was a lot of like Ah, oh, yeah, hey, you know, now that the whole Electra thing's big, maybe we could get by with doing a, sure, you know, like, this was, we only got a chance to barely touch on uh, some of the Millerisms uh, in the previous Stan Lee stories, all of which tended to be illustrated by the same guy whose name I'm blanking on. Barry Kitts. Yeah, Barry Kitson. Kitson doing, you know, various sort of whatever he wanted to do, a little bit of Galassi, then a little bit of Miller. Somebody was like, okay, we're, we're, we can do something that's, you know, it, it again feels very super Sienkiewicz like, you know. It was kind of like someone being like, yeah, that Electra assassin was great, wasn't it? And Grant being like, sure, yeah, I could do that. And people are like, he he didn't he didn't read Electra Assassin, did he? No, he he didn't. Uh, but I have to say, as internal and insufferable as it was, there is a the story has a certain amount of mounting tension, I guess, in the sense of at least there is a character who is in danger and the character is actually dread. And it's also Grant, again, kind of not understanding Wagner. Like I said, in that Venn diagram, there is a little bit of Grant is closer, I think, to Ennis in the sense of we care about dread because dread is cool, I suppose. Not, and so the idea that dread is like Grant leads very heavily on the dread is old now uh, side of things, which he is really something. Does, it, it feels like he he read like some Wagner stuff and he's like, oh, oh, we're doing dread is old now. Okay, I can do that. I can do that, and then misunderstanding what that means. 
because what Wagner is talking about is so very different. It's like, I'm old, therefore the ideals that I believe in, I can't believe in them in the same way. And Grant is literally like, oh shit, yeah, you're totally right, John. When you're old, you're not going to be able to win in a fist fight against a deadly trained Asian woman with the martial arts. Until, until you are. Until you are, yeah. Because again, it's like if you just try hard enough. But you know, Grant, but at least, I mean, and that's the thing. After the, the really horrible slop that we're getting from Ennis here throughout most of this. And frankly, what I thought was some really interminable slop in, in Raptor, which Grant later goes on to give us, I will say that the art of geomancy is at least readable, I suppose. Yeah, it's it it it, it is funny. There is that moment of like, well, it it we actually know for a fact it could be worse because there is worse surrounding. Absolutely, like just go five or ten pages in any direction, and you or thirty or forty pages, and you've pretty much hit it. So. I'm curious, Graham, what would you say once you take out the devil you know, what would be your 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 second favorite story here? I'm going to cheat and say Watchdogs, the only other Wagner story in here. <laughs> okay. uh, but but I have to say, I'm not just saying that because it's a Wagner story. I'm saying it because I actually enjoy that story. And I think that it's Wagner writing to the critics of Dread. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it is like, you know, people are, there's essentially like a censorous body who are watching what Dread does and transmitting it to people saying, isn't this terrible? Isn't this appalling? Look how violent he is. Yeah. And the audience is just like, no, this is great. Right. Beat him up. Yes, do it. Mm-hmm. And I feel that Wagner is actually writing about the idea of Dread's audience and their expectations of the strip versus what critics of the strip Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to the point where i also wondered if he's also writing about ennis mm. if he's writing about ennis's understanding of the strip mm-hmm. you know it's interesting because i i did like watchdogs and you're right i forgot about it there's there's one or two little storytelling things that sort of throws it off for me very very small and more of a again a just nuts and bolts thing but i did walk out of there and it it is a very short I mean, it's six. It's a six page. It's literally yeah. It's literally yeah. six pages. So it's like one of the shortest stories here, uh, if not the shortest. Um, and yeah, I did have that feeling of like, is this about something? Because what I what impresses me about Wagner is in six pages, it's done in a. It's a big cartoon it's a big satirical cartoon in a volume filled with failed satirical cartoons and it seems to work and part of it is the idea that there's a there is some inherent tension in there which is it's not just the you know the censorious people who think that everything is disgusting and disgraceful there's also the people who are there who are into it. Um, I don't know if it's Ennis. I wasn't necessarily even sure if there was a bigger point, 
But one thing that did strike me to it was that in six pages, you have at least three different currents. You know, you've got dread doing dread, including getting fed up with being spied on and following it back. You've got the people who are filming him to say like, this is wrong. This is brutality. This is absolutely horrible. And then you've got the additional element of, uh, of the audience, which are basically like, yeah, this is great. And when dread arrests the person for, you know, using the judge for the purposes of entertainment and, and it's, it's like, it's, it's all clever. It's clever, fast. It's everything that the rest of the volume isn't. It's a very good, it is. but and, and when watch, when watch dogs appears though, it do not actually feel very suddenly aware of everything that the rest of the volume did draw. Oh yeah. I well see I I think the thing that I think is hard for me is it is Judge Dread Dread feels almost like a Zen Cohen for me. Like I can't I can tell when it's off, but it takes me a really hard time to figure out why. Like the yeah. differences are I mean because it's not it's not like Dread is a is frequently is not an especially nuanced strip. You know what I mean? So therefore it's like, you know, it's like, okay, this is too broad. And I'm like, but look at all the other stuff that's done. Why is that too? Like watchdogs is incredibly broad. It just may be that there are more currents running through the story. It's more, it's not even necessarily more ambitious. It's just by by dint of Wagner being on top of his craft, he's able to yeah, put a it, couple of pieces in there so that it feels... That's just it. It's just that Wagner is better at this. Yeah. It's, it's that simple. Mm -hmm. Wagner mm -hmm. is just better at this particular thing. Well, but I mean, I but because of... But I feel like, but then you start being like... Well, why? And Watch Dogs, I think, is a really good example. And like I would say, I feel like instead of there just being two currents to it, there's kind of three. And let's face it, Wagner's Art of Geomancy, uninteresting, but there is a little bit of you've got the judges searching for Dread, you've got Dread, and you've got, uh, you know, the sister of Stanley. All three of them want different things right and at least it goes somewhere but when you turn around and look at something like uh the cool brothers there's there's nothing you know like there's basically dread wants the bad guys the yeah, bad but, guys but want it's... their thing and that's it sure and, and, the, and the same is true parts. of justice one right yeah but exactly. Justice one theoretically has more mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right because you have uh you have dread you have the killers you have the other judges who are trying to operate within the framework of being under suspicion, but knowing that they didn't do it. You have the pirates. Like, theoretically, there are multiple sides to that story. Sure. There are multiple threads. But instead, it just is a mess. Well, because I think, I think the difference is, um, even in, say, to, to compare it to uh, Grant's geomancy story, You've got the judges acting on their own or, you know, the only people you see sort of, quote unquote, acting on their own are the killers and dread. 
You know what I mean? Like at every point it's like he, he orders the people to go into the, the room and they do it. And then he tells them to come out and cover these people. And they do. The pirate is another great example of he's only there for like four pages. He's just a plot complication to drag things out for another chapter. And honestly, that's where someone like uh, Wagner and Grant back in the early years, they would have just pivoted, had all these people taken hostage by the pirate. And now you've got the sense of, oh, they're they're slaves of this pirate dude and two of them are killers, but everyone's got to come together. You know what I mean? Like there's just a little bit of the, if you look at something, even something as simple as uh, going all the way back to, and it's not even Wagner and Grant, like you've got the cursed earth, you've got dread trying to get everyone, you know, get across, get the vaccine there. And then you've got the tough punk guy, who doesn't respect Dredd and Dredd doesn't respect him, but are they going to work together? And then you occasionally have the other judges who have their various other concerns until they get melted. And then I don't even remember. I think there's like an alien, a sympathetic alien involved. Like, you know, yes, <laughs> the one of the things that I like about Wagner and Grant was, or even Dredd in the early days, is if they sent something didn't work, they would pivot and they would usually pivot to make everything bigger. What is fascinating to me about Justice One is how much that story has no purpose, no point, you know, but A, has certain signifiers and more or less, you know, it just comes, it does its turn and then it's done. There, there, yeah. there is nothing that is, that has that weird organic. I mean, let's face it. We talk about how great Wagner is. Wagner and Grant did a lot of great stuff together. Not only were they experienced by that point, but they were writing off each other, writing for each other. Like you get so much of that course correction in a way. Part of me thinks like 2000 AD has had, you know, at this point, so many over a decade where like dread was probably the strip they did not have to worry about. Like it was yeah. everything else they had to worry. Mm -hmm. It makes sense that an editor is like, uh, edit dread. I, I don't know. Why don't yeah, you do it's, a story it's, it's about dread. a wacky DJ? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, you which know. is also probably the reason that like it gets to be in such a sorry shape. Yeah. Because if they have not actually been thinking about why it works, and why would they? It was working exactly. And they're like, okay, this isn't working. Like, how do, how do you fix it if you don't know why it worked? Right. But at that point, you're also like way too geared up in terms of your production rate, you know, to to be able to figure out how to how to step back and be like okay, what works and what doesn't. And unsurprisingly, um, you know, a lot of times it's like, well, if you just get a really good artist on it, they'll sell it, you know? And, and to be fair, that kind of works. Like Firepower is a terrible story. And yet, yeah. like the, the comic deal art, I'm like, okay. Yeah. I mean, honestly, every time I see uh, the Vitters, I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm like, no, wait, this is horrible. But it's Chris, Chris Western art, you know? And I'm like, it... It's like, I, you're like, I like that guy. Yeah. I like that guy, you know? And, and again, even stuff like the art of geomancy, I do think that it's, you know, 
if you were to swap the artists between it and Raptor or whatever, I have a sneaking suspicion I would probably dislike the art of geomancy a lot more and and probably be like, oh, well, Predator or Raptor. See, that's what I was going to say, Graham, is, is that you were like, it's Alien, it's Venom. I'm like, there's a strong Predator and God help me, maybe even Predator 2 vibe to uh and again maybe there is <laughs> right but you're like but you know, that's no like, excuse maybe. but yeah no i agree well, well it, mm-hmm. it doesn't make it a better comic there are qualities in these stories that come so close to all but misunderstanding judge dread that i would put them on a par with the judge dread pinball game <laughs> you know what i feel weirdly happy that you said that <laughs> Be- no it uh, in part because, like, I think stories in here really aggressively do misunderstand mm-hmm. Dread, or at least under- misunderstand where Wagner had left Dread. Because, as we said last time, there is a sense that you could have plugged Ennis' stories in, like, maybe, you know, 1983, 1984. Mm-hmm. Right. And it would have worked, yeah. right? Right. Well, I think this is it. This is part of why I think I feel so exceptionally ungenerous to Case Files 16 is this is more or less what I expected Case Files 4 to be. You know what I mean? Like one of the things that's pretty remarkable about Dread is, you know, again, I feel like there's a fork in the path and one path is the cursed earth and the day the law died back in, you know, case files too. Are you, are you basically making an argument for like Ennis's dread is what would have happened if Wagner hadn't taken on the strip and. <laughs> no, no, because obviously it's far too beholden to those templates, but it isn't, it isn't because it's still like the very macho dread who is a hero, right? It well, takes away exactly. the ambiguity of, of yes. Wagner. Well, see, and I guess that's what I was going to say is Wagner and Grant. This is what I would have expected them to do in a kind of like, Oh, we're finding our feet kind of who's this character. What kind of stories do we tell? And one of the things that I think is so rich and rewarding about Wagner and Grant in three and four is they pivot away from dread and therefore they begin building and building and building and building and building little bits and pieces of, again, Mega City One becomes this, becomes the other great character in dread sure. under them. Yeah, yeah. And so that gives Ennis again something to sort of caricature, but you can, but he's not really invested in it. And I can see how back in volumes three or four, or Case Files three or four, how Wagner and Grant could have had those sorts of growing pains of mm-hmm. trying to find that space, that pacing, but they didn't have it at all. And so. There is a little part of what's so hard is, yeah, this is something that I would have expected us to run into much earlier. And one of the things... It's so strange to, like, you know, 14, 15 years into the the strip's run to have a book which does feel like everyone's trying to work out what the strip is again. Exactly. You know, and, and even in a weird retroactive way, Ennis isn't necessarily trying to... You know, what am I going to say? I mean, he literally is trying to reinvent the wheel. He wants the wheel that he grew 
you know, up reading. And the yeah, thing yeah. that's amazing is the extent to which he can't nail it. You would think that in a way that Dread would suffer from cover band syndrome at this point. But what's astonishing is 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 how much they can't even really kind of get the good covers down. Like it's not even a good cover band at this point, which you would think at this point it should be. Anyway, so again, like I said, really the the pinball game feel of it really came through for me because because we'll talk about the Judge Dredd pinball game in some other time, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, so let's actually talk about the what is essentially a two-parter. The Devil You Know, which is Wagner leading up to the referendum on whether the people want democracy or they want the judges. Right. And then Twilight's Last Gleaming, which is the referendum itself yeah. and, and immediate aftermath. Devil You Know, written by Wagner, drawn by Jeff Anderson. Twilight's Last Gleaming, drawn by, uh, written by Garth Ennis, drawn by John Burns. Yep. It's amazing to me mm-hmm. that Twilight's Last Gleaming does what it does especially following the setup that Wagner gives it. It's also not because it's very much in tune with what Ennis is doing with the strip. Right. Right. But to my mind as a reader, uh, Wagner leaves it with a cliffhanger that is heavily leaning in the, the judges are going to lose sight. Mm -hmm. Clearly in many respects that can't be right. Right. Because mm-hmm. that breaks the strip in a way that he can't just do, for want of a better way of putting it. Like, Dread is no longer just Dread. There's also the magazine to think about. Mm-hmm. There are writers working on Dread at the same time. Mm-hmm. There has some level of editorial oversight here. Right. Saying, this is the result of this plot line. Mm-hmm. Right? And honestly, just for the strip to continue... The idea that the judges lose is almost unthinkable. Nonetheless, as a reader, mm-hmm. I think that The Devil You Know, which for the most part actually leaves the referendum stuff kind of in the background and uses it as color commentary for you know, a story of you, the judges trying to take down Dread, for want of a better way of putting it. It leaves things with the idea that like it is at least going to be a tight race. Yes. And Twilight's Last Gleaming, I mean, just fucking throws that out the window. And for that matter, throws other things that Wagner sets up in there out the window as well. Oh, very Wagner, much so. Wagner makes a show of guys saying, a guy, sorry, saying, um, it's not hard to find conspirators for this. Nobody mm-hmm. likes you. Right. You know, and, and it immediately starts the story by being like, it was five people. Everyone loves Judge Dredd. It was only five. Yes. Yeah. Which is which is crazy to me. Well, <laughs> like the speed at which he really quickly is like, nope. <laughs> well, so I so I think to me what I what I find super interesting about the devil you know uh, and Twilight's Last Gleaming is I feel and I could be wrong that Twilight's Last Gleaming feels strangely itself conspiratorial in in the point of. A, it seems like here is, if nothing else, I feel Ennis has his, um, 
what's the word, uh, agenda that he's trying to advance, which is essentially that, you know, everyone's got to bow down to dread, essentially. Yes. You know, I would say first and foremost, that is uh, the part that he cares the most about. I think that editorial is kind of, because the thing that shocks me is how much it feels it 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 feels fixed it feels rigged it feels mandated that there's kind of uh it, it's just utterly unbelievable yeah the, the, there, there, there's nothing about twilight's last screaming reads reads uh coherent or true uh but specifically after the way that wagner leaves it it's so strange to me well wagner portrays it as a much tighter thing that i mean dread literally ends wagner's story by saying the people believe that they can trust us that we have our morals and you've just proven that the judges don't have morals right like i don't like uh what are they going to think then by the devil you know i don't think so and maybe they'd be right so here's and, the... and for the net story to be like it's a landslide right well one thing that I do like about the, at least with the voting results, is, and this is perhaps, you know, for, for me being, uh, having lived in America all my life, the fact that it's like only 35% turn out, the fact sure. that it's, oh, wait, wait, hold on, because I think, that, you know, that they're like, oh, the number of people who misunderstood and voted for both parties and therefore it was invalid. Like, I actually, A, I like that part, and B, it is worth noting that The Devil You Know starts off with a two-page sequence before Dread comes in, which is literally the free call referendum hotline trying to explain voting to the average citizen and, and this, they don't get it yeah they don't get it and it, they are literally too stupid to vote now so for me the biggest um the the second biggest sin uh, apart from openly you know the first biggest sin is uh, in twilight's last claiming is is uh, essentially openly courting fascism the second biggest sin I think is the fact that that what's what's odd isn't just that there's a conspiracy of five judges. Um, to me, it's the fact that at the end of it, dread is like you have undermined the people's ability to trust us, and it's going to cost us. And that literally is not mentioned. You have no mm -hmm. sense that the people know about it at yes. all in Twilight's yeah. Last Gleaming. Yeah. Which I, is I, just a, if nothing else, is a weird shooting yourself in the dick dramatically. You know what I mean? It, like, yeah, it's it's a really Twilight's Last Gleaming. Honestly, is such it's just filled with weird narrative choices. Yes, it's clear that Ennis knew what Wagner was doing because it starts with the judges basically trying to clean up. Yes, the conspiracy. Right, but in other ways, it's as if he didn't read the story, which is maybe what happened. Mm-hmm. Maybe he had a plot synopsis. Maybe Wagner went, "Oh, this is this is kind of what I'm doing," mm -hmm. but it's it's the whiplash from Grace saying again, like it's no problem for me finding people to work with me. Mm -hmm. Everyone hates you. right. To three pages later, 
having one of the judges go, nope, nope, it's it was just the five of us. Right. Like it was it, that tight a thing. Right. It's is is genuinely strange. Like it it is is nonsensical. Right. That there is that Wagner portrays it as a close run race. Yep. And that he ends up with the people would be right mm-hmm. to vote against us mm-hmm. because the system has let us down. Right. Now, to then go to not only is it not a close race, but like there's a two page monologue. Mm-hmm. Of dread being like, oh sure, yeah, we crushed the democracy movement, but you know, I'm a judge, and judges don't need anything. I, like, what is it? Because where a man would be weak, a judge would be strong. Where a man would fool himself, that millions of people could live together in peace, a judge would know that what, that was just a pipe dream, and that iron-fisted law was needed to murder, stop murderous chaos. And more than anything, dread was a judge. He didn't need anything out of it. The job was its own reward. Where the fuck does that come from? With where Wagner's just left the character right like it's nuts it's nuts that dread talks to hershey and magruder about the votes and at no point is like so listen apparently everyone hates me and i also think we're going to lose right is nuts mm-hmm. and then the worst part of twilight's last gleaming like genuinely like the sin for me is its treatment of blondel dupree yeah blondel dupree mm-hmm. who is humiliated mm-hmm. who's humiliated twice she's humiliated by dread yeah who, who comes out and makes her say i like you are the law which right. is fucking again fucking surreal in where dread has been shown in his relationship with her in the wagner series yes like it's insane that that would happen but also she's then humiliated further by ennis by having a speech where she goes, Dread, right. We're just useless dreamers. It takes someone special to rule this city, not us. We're just like everyone else. All the people who didn't bother to vote, who didn't want the trouble, we just took longer to realize that that's all. All we can do is make the best of what we've got. Yeah. What? The living shit. Yeah, no. That like, part is, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how much I hate that. Yeah. I can't tell you how those, like that coming just after Dread forced her to say you are the law mm-hmm. is is so upsetting to me. I yeah. fucking hate this story. Yeah. And, and to me, it, it's all about Ennis's weird hero worship of Dread. The same fucking quote from a Wagner Grant thing appears twice in this story. Yeah. Twice yeah. in the same story. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's in the last one. It's presented as if it's a quote from a real person. Yes. Yeah. Which right. is in itself. Right. Nuts. Yeah. Twilight's Last Gleaming is trash. So uh, there is one other thing that I want to uh, address that I think is a very important part of why it's trash um is in the showdown with dupree and dread um you know you have a moment where dread says you're going to turn around and go home peacefully every last one of you and i'll tell you why we didn't fix anything dupree the referendum was carried out fair and square and the people voted for us because they can rely on us because they know where they stand we didn't have to fix it Democracy is not for the people, not because we say so, but because they don't want it. Now, I think for myself, 
living here in 2020, that is the closest thing. Like if ever there was a point where that particular bit of dialogue was going to land, it's arguably now where part of me is like, how much do people really want democracy? But the thing that bothers me is how do those words coming out of Dred's mouth makes any sense for the crusader and reformer that pushed for the vote? You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, that, like, why is the dread who said that they were going to have a vote because he wanted it? Right. What? How what, does that come up? Where does that lead into this? Yes, the only way in which this, you know, would quote unquote makes makes sense in a psychological way would be if you see the dread that you do see here, which is dread has has essentially figured out that the only way to to stomp out the democracy movement is essentially to humiliate it by bringing up the vote and being confident that he's that the judges are going to win because what he knows is that people don't want democracy right like that is a take on dread but that is 110 percent not the dread that we have seen since dread takes the long walk when Dread comes back and, and after Necropolis and becomes a crusader and a reformer, his belief is that the people should have a say. And his yes, belief... that the judges serve the people. Yes. And, and even to an extent, the idea in which that they would more or less turn over, a, you know the keys to the car they'll just hand it back to him he's a, he's in his way confident um which you see in in the devil you know and the idea that he's like you've totally undermined the only thing that we had going for us which is the idea that we are this strong that we can be trusted and relied on and yeah. that that is that is Essentially, what is odd is there is a part of what is such a betrayal about Twilight's Last Gleaming is that dread just more or less ceases. The dread of Wagner ceases to exist at the end of The Devil You Know. And then mm -hmm. this dread walks in and is saying things that has nothing to do with who that character has been for several years now. It's yeah. and 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 what's even shocking to me to me is, is that it's such a you go from one story immediately to this one. If there was like six or nine months of being buried under uh, insufferable, interminable one shots and then you got to this election, it would be one thing. But no, but it comes immediately after immediately, immediately after it's it's genuinely like I I it's shocking, but also I can't I will never get over how bad the story is. Yes. And also how much it hurts the strip. Yeah. Well, because, absolutely. Because Ennis knowingly or not, basically is like fascism's great. Right. No, in this exactly. Trip. No, 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 completely. You know, and has and has like Blondell at one point, even before she is humiliated, mm -hmm. you know, basically makes an argument for dread. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, because he's tough. Right. This isn't just anyone we're talking about, John. It's Judge Dredd. You saw the vid reports after Corpus. The Sister of Death burnt his face off and he just got right up right. and came back to save the city. Can you imagine the sheer guts that must have taken? I just wonder sometimes, why are we fighting a man like that? Yeah. Again, right? Like, the, what? That yeah. No, from. exactly. Exactly. No, there's but such Ennis, a. Ennis mm-hmm. is in love with his idea of dread, who is the dread of, of Apocalypse War. Well, I mean, is right? The, right, is the dread of Apocalypse War, but there is, the, it, it just boils down to an absolutely, utterly, how do I put it? One thing that I can say about someone who's read a lot of Ennis is this is the core of Ennis's beliefs, at least as they have consistently emerged in his writing, which is essentially dread is a like Ennis is pro fascist. Uh, it, it, yes, that Ennis Ennis's Ennis belief believes in, Ennis believes in like the strong man, the, like he yes, in the, like the one moral man who who is always right. Well, the one moral man who is always right, but essentially the one man who is is strong enough to hold everything together. And that's and through his sacrifices and essentially through his bastardry. Like the Ennis's love of the bully he later goes on I think in a whole series of things to talk about essentially that the bastard is a necessary element to civilization in a way it's more or less the sort of argument that you would get and and much more convincingly made out of the first two seasons of something like deadwood say where mm-hmm. the the idea is is that civilization is you have to get everyone to more or less act in good faith or to keep the predators from just wandering around the herd free and what you either get are you get the big bastards who realize it's in their best interest to regulate the corrupt, to make it easier. Uh, essentially, civilization's a long-term con game, and there's Ellis characters, Ennis characters that believe that. But there's also Ennis characters that essentially are people who realize that they can do what they want, which is hurt people. Um and do it for the benefit of everyone else, which they realize usually by having some good person in their life. They realize they can't be that person, but they respect that person more than they respect the shit heels. So by the time you get to the end of Dread, like that weird quote that you talked about that is mentioned twice is very much Ennis more or less putting his stamp on Dread, which is like, you know what? Dread loves this. We, I've got the quote. I've got the receipts. Dread, first and foremost, loves the squalid, horrible city. And he and he loves, like, he more or less loves busting heads. But it's important to him because he has self-respect that he's busting heads for the right reason. Which is really, like, again, might be something you could have made an argument for back then, but makes no sense for a dread that literally forced everyone into a vote, you know, 
like I said, it that yeah, makes it's, no it's, sense. It's, I, I just, yeah, I hate this. I hate this strip so much. I hate the treatment of uh, of Blondell and the democracy movement. Yes. Uh, like, while I'm, I'm talking about Ennis is, is pro-fascism, mm-hmm. another thing about that for me is, like, his utter disdain for the Democrats in this story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. is shocking yeah. to me. Yeah, is genuinely appalling. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I think like he, Blondell is is portrayed terribly, uh, and, and all of the Democrats are. It, it's it's like I I I am I am continually every time I read this I'm continually shocked at the way in which he seems to have at least read Wagner's stuff in order to be up to date with it, mm-hmm. but not understood any of what Wagner was saying. Well, you're right. Exactly. I mean, this is the story that to me, the thing that is shocking about it is it, it's the one where much more than, than Muzak killer, where I feel like Ennis is talking about the things that Ennis really does feel and does believe in part because unlike the rest of the other stories, he either works hard enough or gets a sense of the grasp. He really has something to say. What he says is really horrible, but it's fascinating to me that that it's one of the few times where he can work himself up enough to, to you know, more or less do the work. Like Twilight's last gleaming is a betrayal of a story, but what is creepy is how much more assured it is than almost all the other Ennis stuff in here. And I think it's because Ennis is much closer, I think, to where he, where he's passionate. This is something Mm -hmm. that he is, he is very passionate about. I want to jump back. Because uh, because one thing, I mean, if we have other things uh, to talk about how appalling Twilight's Last Gleaming <laughs> is. No, because it would just be me repeatedly being like, Ennis is a fascist. Right. Like, I, this story is especially upsetting to read this week in particular as someone who lives in Portland. Well, yes. <laughs> like, right. Fuck. Yeah. But no, beyond that, no. I, I really would just be me repeatedly going over and over again. Fuck, 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 right. fuck. So well, it's fascinating that it's also such again, it's all of that plus an amazing betrayal, like a deliberate turning away from a set a set of possible story possibilities and also a conception of dread. And this is sort of the point that I I I'm curious about is the devil you know is um what I don't understand is if I didn't know the fact that Wagner does not want to was more or less was trying to step away from writing dread in 2080. Yeah. Well, and this may be it. This may be, maybe the devil, you know, the devil, you know, has to me is such a strangely meta story. Don't you think like, I feel well, what is the meta text you're, you're seeing in it? Like, to, are, are the Grice and the judges Grice standing the, in for something? Might be standing in for 2000 AD management. That that the devil you know that Wagner is the devil you know, right? Like, this is what we were kind of talking about. There's there the devil you know gets used in multiple ways throughout the 
um, throughout the story. And the basic gist of it is Dredd is more or less one way that he's saying is, is when, when interviewed by a reporter, he's like, people are going to stick to the judges because they know they can count on us, you know, discipline, good order, the rigid application of the law. These are the principles you stand, we stand. Um, and, and he says, and you think people will vote for that better the devil, you know? And he's like, what's the alternative? There is there is a way in which you have Wagner advocating for change. He is writing dread, but he is also he's also quote unquote the devil you know. He's like trust me. I know where I'm going to where this could go. And I I don't know. I could be entirely wrong, but part of me is like he wants the vote to be close. He wants it to be dramatic. And I suspect that he did want the people to win and put dread and the judges in having to negotiate like what that means. Like, it, cause it's, if nothing else, it's a lot more inherently dramatic. It's a yeah. lot more inherently dramatic mm -hmm. to have dread, you know, bring democracy back they're being run by idiots at that point the judges are trying to gain more power in other words it opens up this incredible field of stories editorial is basically we don't want it you know we don't want and again the devil you know in this particular case is the judge dread stories that have always been you know, yes. it's Mega City One, it's Dread, there's Perps, it's Footsie, you know, all of that stuff. And I do wonder how much meta there is in Wagner being like, you know what? I thought this was going to work out. I figured the magazine, like I could do a different thing. And he, and he, he essentially, it's a way in which he's like, we could have fucking had it, but you guys showed them basically you guys were weak you were weak and you caved and you just took the easy way out and you're going to lose the whole thing do you think or am i am i reading too much into it slash misunderstanding i am willing to concede that might be one it feels like you're reading too much into it mm -hmm. but like i'm also the person who was like but the other Wagner story, he's probably writing about Ennis. So, <laughs> like, you know, I I'm, I can't throw stones. It, it's, it feels like a stretch, mm. but, you know, that doesn't mean it's wrong. Right. Um, there's just something in The Devil You Know that is also, I think, an accidental condemnation mm -hmm. of the just, justice system, mm -hmm. which is... The judges standing outside just letting Dread beat the shit out of Grice. Right. And commenting on it and being like, we should do something. Mm -hmm. And again, talk about shit that reads differently now. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. To have two policemen listening to what they know is a crime being committed. Right. What they know is police brutality. Right. And being like... We sh we shouldn't do this now, but 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 you know maybe maybe they're just like playing a boisterous game. Maybe they're redecorating right. the office right. and like talking themselves out of doing something. Mm -hmm. That happening and illustrating like this is the system. In the same story, the dreads like you're going to vote for the system because you don't know what the alternative is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
is again i think it's accidental i don't think wagner is intentionally being like you know dread is making this case but dread is still supporting an utterly corrupt system well uh i you know the thing i i think that that's a good point however i, I believe I, I it's i don't think it's a real point if that makes sense like yes. i think it's accidental i'm not even sure but see part of me is kind of like i'm not sure that it's even accidentally, it doesn't scan as well for me, in part because Grice is also a judge. You know what I mean? If, sure, sure. If it was another... If it um, was anyone else. Yeah. yeah. If it was yeah. anyone else, then it becomes a totally different fraught thing. What's weird is how much I chalk that up to classic, you know, kind of like, oh, here's Wagner doing a comedic riff because that's the kind well, of thing that he like would love. Riff. It's, yeah. it's also like, you know, Dread still has the DNA of like Dirty Harry in there. Right. right. Exactly. No matter how much Wagner moves him towards a reformer, right. Dread is still Dirty Harry. Right. And Dirty Harry would 100% go and beat up the quote unquote corrupt cop. Right. Like, exactly. That's just what he would do. And so it's baked into the DNA. I, I get that. It's just like, it's one of those things that's like, that's a really weird beat in retrospect. Well, what I think it's, is interesting is it's a strangely, how do I put it? It's, if nothing else, it seems a weird um ball dropping in terms of tension that's not i don't mean that the 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 testes are descending no 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 I, no, yeah. no i i know i, I know what a you mean. slip like, up it, the missed opportunity yeah because you do have a situation where grice is like you know saying like this is easy there's tons of us everyone hates you and essentially you've got two guys outside the office door who hear this fight and they don't care one way or the other. You know what I mean? Like you could have it where some where I mean, I think it's better just the way that it plays because at least how it but, plays but, but is it's true. You you could have mm -hmm. they could illustrate Grace's point. Yes. Right. Or the or, or, the, or opposite. the opposite. Exactly. Yeah. Or they could split the difference or whatever. But Wagner, I think, instead just goes for the eh, you know. This is the kind of this is something that always this is the wacky hijinks. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. this is this is the wacky hijinks that you would love when you're like watching a western or like you said a dirty dirty Harry movie and the, yeah. The other thing that is uh, a really unintentional yet telling condemnation of Judge Dredd in the system mm -hmm. is the quote that Ennis uses twice. In Twilight's Last Leaving. Right. Uh, the one from the end, from when he comes back from Lunar One. Uh huh. Uh, Meg City One, 800 million people, and every one of them, potential criminal, the most evil, violent city on earth. But God help me, I love it. First of all, God help me is fascinating considering it's grunt everywhere else. Mm. Also, 800 million people. Mm hmm. As it says elsewhere in this case files, there's 350 million people in Mega City One at that point, mm. because 450 million of them died in the Apocalypse wow, War. Wow, that is crazy, right? Yeah, and that's never mentioned, and it uses that quote twice, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's never brought up mm -hmm. that more than half of those people are dead. Right. Yeah. That judges failed to protect. More than half of those people, which is 450 million people. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Right? Yeah. It's the weirdest thing that Ennis chooses that. I mean, it's the weirdest thing that he uses that quote twice anyway. Again, where's the fucking editor? Right. Like, 
what the fuck is going on there? But also, no one points out that like the judges are actually so bad at their job. Yeah. 450 million of them are dead. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh oh, oof. I <laughs> I love the, the nuanced way with which you turned us back to bitching about Twilight's last gleaming cuz it is deserved. Let's face it. No, no, uh, but but no, oh, I, I I just like it was another way in which like there's a weird quasi self critique that is accidental in both stories. Mm, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's true. There's a quasi way of being like, the judges are actually like bad. Right. (laughs) You know, like Dread, even if you believe Ennis is, Dread is the one good man, Mm -hmm. right? And like Ennis fucking loves the one good man stories. Absolutely. It's his bread and butter. Like he he fucking loves it. Mm -hmm. Um, But even if you believe that. Mm Mm-hmm. The judges have failed Mega City One in a in a shocking oh, way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. To such a degree mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that the idea that the judges are voting for them, even out of apathy, even out of the devil, you know, right, is also shocking. Mm-hmm. And again, things that play really differently today. Yeah, of very you know? much so. Yeah, like when we started Drock, Jeff. Oh Jesus, Graham! Yeah, we imagine this moment. Mm-hmm. Right? We really didn't. And again, like, this moment, this week especially. Yeah. You know? We didn't imagine this moment. And so to read a story where, you know, Wagner is arguably saying that the people should vote the other way. Mm-hmm. And then Ennis 100% goes full fascist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is... It's just a, a surreal thing, mm-hmm. you know, a really surreal thing. And honestly, going from, and again, I, I, I'm laying a fair amount of this blame on editorial, mm-hmm. going from Twilight's Last Gleaming to the these two brothers trying to do each other so much that they, like, one of them goes nuclear, mm-hmm. and then to the Flab Fighters, mm-hmm. is like this tone of whiplash that's fucking shocking. Yeah. It really is. Uh, I do also want to mention one thing that I found very odd about uh, this uh, volume is how much, because um, I've talked about, it's freaked me out in the past, how much the glare in Dredd's helmet looks like the SS uh, mm-hmm. symbol. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by how that utterly disappears for Twilight's, both the Devil You Know and Twilight's Last Gleaming, and then completely comes back. I mean, it's just might be personal preferences because yeah, it totally, disappears think, in the art of geomancy, you yeah, know, I as well. Yeah, I think it's literally stylistic. I think Burns is just like, no, this is how I'm doing the glare. Yeah, I think so as well. But but it's a different artist in uh, The Devil You Know. So yeah, anyway, yeah. just very weird. Um, no, it's... I think when I was like, yeah, let's read about Judge Dredd because that's going to be, you know, a rewarding way for me to learn about this crucial and important character in comics history. I had no idea that it was going to be like, this is maybe the third or the fourth volume in a row where I sat down reading this shit being like, I can't, there's a, there's a, there's the horrible which is a shame because it's a it's a quote-unquote good idea where dread is teaching the class of kids and he refers to his nightstick as the one minute lobotomy and i'm just like i just i don't that's not 
like I know how that joke would have landed at certain other points is like, ooh, that's darkly humorous. But I'm like, I don't I don't I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't no, this is no, but, not but that's, good. That's that's yeah. very much what it is, right? Mm-hmm. It's very much this, you know, and we've said this all along. Like we've said that there are bits of dread almost from day one that play out differently mm-hmm. today than when they were first written. Mm-hmm. You know, things that seemed science fiction, things that seemed completely, you know, unrealistic, real, irrational, you know, paranoid. Mm-hmm. Then now we'd like, oh, oh, look, we're reading the news. But like, Twilight's last gleaming, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, and in a way, I do wonder if, because the thing that is uh, interesting and important about the other stories in the democracy cycle is Wagner and Grant did have, particularly Wagner, had a sense of history. You know, the way in which the democracy march essentially gets undermined by the judges is, was something that they knew about from the 60s. You know, yes. Ennis, as a dude who was born like, you know, at the beginning of the 70s or whatever, it doesn't it it's probably a lot easier for him to be like, oh, this is great. Like a, a previous generation would have. Well, I say that, but you look at stuff like Dirty Harry and things, the the way in which people talk themselves back into a level of conservatism is um you know a fascinating history and it was aided and abetted i think by a lot of changes that that went on in mass media through the 70s and the 80s and you know by the time you get to the 90s like you can ha- you can have ironic violence, you can have ironic fascism, you can have ironic everything, which was pretty much the way people in the 80s and 90s had to consume everything because in a way we knew better. So we couldn't actually own up to enjoying a lot of these things. And so mm-hmm. it was it had to be it had to be presented as a form of ironic enjoyment, practically that the, that our enjoyment of it was itself opposed. Like, Oh, isn't this, isn't this funny that you would think that I'm the sort of person that would appreciate fascism says Garth Ennis, you know? And I think that that really allowed for, um, you know, now that we're in a situation where it looks like people are, unironically being disappeared off the streets of a city, you know, by members of the military, that's, uh, that makes it really fucking hard to, to read Twilight's last gleaming. And frankly, it might've made the rest of the book harder to read if it hadn't been just terrible. Like, fortunately it was just hard to read by, by virtue of being bad that I didn't actually have to wrestle with how much some of this stuff um, might or could end up being, you know, a contributing factor, you know, and I don't necessarily mean, of course, dread itself, but there are plenty, you know, like uh, dread in a way is, is a much more refined product of its time 
compared to, say, if you and I wanted to sit down and do a podcast going through all of Sylvester Stallone's movies, which would also include Judge Dredd. Hey. So, uh, yeah, to wrap things up, Graham, I'm depressed. I'm very, very, very depressed. Oh, and in case you're wondering, and I know it's a tough call, I'm going to have to go with Dross. This volume was Dross. (laughs) Is it a tough call? (laughs) <laughs> was, was, were you unsure which way I, you're going to go there? I'll, I'll be honest, Graham. I had to flip a coin before the start of the podcast, and and it told me you're, tales. You're like, yeah, it was Dross. Yeah. Where, where are we going to go? Yeah, which, which direction? Is that? It's, it's, it's such a tough one. It's, it's <laughs> it really was. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's utterly Dross. Um, okay, I've already said my favorite story in the volume is is uh, obviously definitely right? no, but if not, Watch Dogs. Right. What about you? Uh, you know, I think I think that. Uh, once you said that, I'm like, oh right. So let me let me re-push you. If you had to pick a non-Wagner story, what would it be? And it's okay if it's a distant second, third, fifth, tenth. Um, it's probably if it's a non-Wagner story. It's either Firepower or it is um, the art of geomancy, and in both cases, it's because of the art. Mm, I get it. Um, yeah, I think sadly... Are you going to go for the Twin Peaks episode? Because you've not talked about that yet. Oh, yeah, I was just going to complain about it. I, I was going to complain about it because both it and Edward Scissorhands strikes me as a weird form of... Uh, it's disquieting because I feel like, you know, when Wagner and Grant were like, oh, we're going to take the piss out of the blob, you know? Like, you're always like, that's not recent you know but so yeah, it's, stuff true. It's, it's weird to be like you know literally stuff that w- came out in the cinema like that week or something right exactly it's, and it's I, odd. yeah and i'm sort of like huh i think i think that's worse like you know but i mean like i feel like that. that's so funny i thought the same thing and then i was like i'm just being like a dick now <laughs> like i I, genuinely did. I had the thing of like there's something weirdly desperate about having references to stuff that is like immediate right uh, in a way that, like, the references that Wagner and Grant were doing always was to, like, old shit. Right. Like, Wagner and Grant never did a Star Wars episode. Right, exactly. You know, you know? The, the the closest they came and it usually got pretty gross was, uh, a, you know, a little bit like the Teenage Mutant, whatever their third or second or third Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ripoff was, you know? Like, <laughs> of course, there's one in this book, too. Yeah, exactly. So actually my my non my favorite non Wagner story is, and this is gonna be a strange pick, but not terrible, Hand of Fate, which is early, early work by uh Charles Charlie Adlard, and I think it looks beautiful. It looks a lot like uh Fraser Irving in pre Fraser Irving y days. And um I think I think, I mean, the last panel, literally the last panel, I think, kind of goes to hell. But the, and the rest of it about a Satanist who can live forever, provided he kills somebody every day is, um, you know, it was it was a thing. You know, I, it doesn't. I, OK, I wanted I actually forgot about this. Um, Adam Eterno mm-hmm. is is another British comic character. <laughs> is he? Yeah. So he's Adam E. Like middle initial yeah. E, Eterno in right. this. Mm-hmm. But Adam Eterno, Eterno one word, is a British comic character about an immortal guy from the 16th century or 15th century? Uh-huh. Maybe the 15th century who who basically is eternal and like is a hero who, who is lives forever. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And it's so weird to see Grant just be like, Haha, I've got an immortal and he's a Satanist who's sacrificing people in order to live another day. And he's got the same name. <laughs> right. Right. Which which uh, that sort of makes sense in a way. It sort of makes sense that there was a weird. There's a reference going on there. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But honestly, I was like, eh, it was again like the art. So I think think it would go for that. But otherwise, exactly. I like how both of them are like the writing's shit. So we're going to yeah. choose R. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, but I think that it, at least there's a level of of competence in in the writing, like you said. So yeah, definitely grant but, but, yeah, above Droth. yeah. Let, Ennis. Oh let, oh, so yeah, much dross. Yeah yeah. I was going to say it's kind of scary when you can read 340 pages and the only stuff that you really would say is worth reading even if you throw in the 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 twilight's last gleaming just to just just as a historical context slash get your blood pressure up like fits into what like a 30 page like you you yeah, could put I mean, this realis- in a realistically realistically it's probably like 50 pages if not less right exactly of like, of like readable material in this book it's yeah. stunning yeah it, yeah. it, it could be a summer annual, basically, and and that's it. Um, it's a, it's such a shame. Yeah. Like we've had so much of Dread where we're like, this is just great comics, and this one was just like, nope. Yeah, this this is terrible. <laughs> exactly. Is terrible. You told me it was going to be we were going to hit some dire patches. So part of part of me is like, okay, they can't. Oh, all just be wait. This bad. Oh no, shit. Yeah. Just, just wait. You've not like we've not gotten to like the Mark Miller issues yet. I know, I know. Mm, mm, mm. Just yeah, it's 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 coming, Jeff. Uh, although I will say, there's something almost worse about this. It in part, Twilight's Last Gleaming is fucking atrocious, right? But also, we're so fresh off the really good stuff. Yes, like our nerve endings haven't been killed yet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, so we may never feel this level of disappointment again, but we'll see. <laughs> Uh, I, I have I have a little bit of house cleaning, which mm-hmm. which you know, which Jeff and I can't remember whether we said we were going to do the first Judge Dread Batman crossover this episode. As you can tell, we didn't. Yes, that's but, right. Uh, we might have said we were going to do it. We didn't. We are going to do it next time, though. Yes, uh, we're going to do Case File Seventeen, and the first Judge Dread Batman crossover, Judgment in Gotham. Yeah. Which I think it's called Judgment in Gotham. I believe it is. Uh, it's the Wagner Grant Simon Bisley one, mm-hmm. uh, which we can enjoy the return of Judge Death, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a very fun, ridiculous story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in Case File 17, Garth Ennis writing a crossover between 2008 and the magazine. Oh, wow. Right. Which is officially co-plotted by Wagner and apparently it was literally just John Wagner going, why don't you do this? And that one line got him a co-plotting credit. (laughs) Which I kind of love. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the next mega epic is in the next one and it was a crossover and it... Jeff, how do you think he's going to handle a crossover? Mm. How do you think think he's going to handle a a mega epic? Mm. Yeah, exactly. I'm ready to start drinking. Shit. All right. Everyone else, you have a month to drink. And and honestly, again, seeing what's what's happening in the world right now, uh, your options are drinking and or going out or protesting. 
that's that's it, people. That's pretty that's much it. it. Yeah, that's all you got. There will be show notes about this up on Monday at waitwhatpodcast.com. Uh, in the meantime, we have a Tumblr, which is waitwhatpod.tumblr.com. We have an Instagram, Instagram for, for I'll try it again, Instagram.com forward slash waitwhatpod. And we have a Twitter account at waitwhatpodcast. Jeff has a Twitter account at lazybastard, at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I have a Twitter account at Graham M, at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. Drock is brought to you by the letter D by the spirit of despair and fear of fascism and by Patreon. So Jeff, why don't you tell people about Patreon? I shall. Although I have to say, Graham, you I have you should include the number sixteen, right? Isn't it usually the letter D, the number sixteen, and the emotion despair? Uh, and Patreon. Yes, every 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 time in Sesame Street, they always mention the emotion despair. They well, they mention an emotion, but yes, it, 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 they, I mean they cut it out. There was the six months where they it was just on Wii, and eventually they cut it. But fun <laughs> fun fact. Anyway, uh, you guys, uh, we are so grateful to our listeners. Even though I had to read this because of you guys. Um, <laughs> I really... We, it's really going to get worse, Jeff. I can't believe you're blaming them for this. Uh, uh, anyway, you guys are awesome. Uh, if you read the volumes with us, you may not be very excited about the fact that thanks to the, the lovely people at Patreon uh, throwing us a bit of their hard-earned dosh, we are doing this read-through uh, of Judge Dredd, the complete case files, all of them is directly a result of hitting a stretch goal thanks to your generosity as is uh what is slash was baxter building our 50 episode read through of the first 416 issues of the fantastic four uh otherwise we're we come at you with wait what podcast um twice a month as well so that's like three weeks out of every month uh and i don't know how we would manage to do that if it wasn't for the fact that you you guys keep us um inspired energized uh um and nourished um in in many ways so thank you so much for that we want to give a special thanks uh to our good old buddy uh dominic and empress audrey queen of the galaxy both of them for their unflagging cosmic support of this neck of our celestial realm we thank you graham that sigh was amazing (laughs) you're like these comics have been terrible and yet somehow we've talked about them for two hours i don't know how we did it either do you know jeff and i actually before we started yes talk about how this is going to be a short episode because we had nothing to say because we both hated these comics too much and we've made it two hours uh, that is stunning to me that is stunning I guess we hated them even more than we thought <laughs> we did we actually hated them enough to well i did at a certain point it it was i'm glad that you and i i'm glad that you and i have these talks Graham, because i did find myself uh through the process of today being like a, what the fuck am I going to say? And B, a little bit of the, okay, I should talk about why these don't work, but I have no idea why, in a way. And literally us talking about it, I was like, oh, okay, I see patterns. I see points. Like, Graham, Graham's got some excellent points here. This is all worth considering. But yeah, I, I was convinced this was going to be a 19-minute episode. Sorry, everyone, and especially sorry, Graham. Yeah, (laughs) I I was going to say, for me, I just thought it was proof of the old lyric, anger isn't energy. (laughs) 
Uh, on that bombshell, uh, Jeff, it's a draw because you sing us out. That's right. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, until next time, Drock, you're under arrest, citizen. Report to the Isocubes.